year long. For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Condon on 1460 Kicks and Owen 106.3 FM. Take you until noon. Uh, what have we got tonight? Cyclone Insider at 6. Hines and Petey back from Vegas recapping that preview, I'm assuming. I don't have their show rundown, but the Big 12 starts this week, mm-hmm. so guessing there'll be plenty of that conversation. Uh, and then the KXNO Fantasy Football Show with the crew coming in here at 7 o'clock. Right now, it's time to talk baseball. Love this portion of the week where, yes, football gets your full attention, but man, don't uh, let this final couple of weeks of MLB pass you by, even especially if you've got a team in the hunt. And Matt Snyder from CBSSports.com joins us. Hello, Matt Snyder. Trent and Ken, how are you? Hey, I'm very good. I'm actually headed up to Chicago right now. I'm going to see the Cubs and Twins. Uh, not where, Trent, not where we hoped our teams would no. be at this point in the season. <laughs> but nonetheless, still a Major League Baseball game. Kind Absolutely. Of. Kind of envious you were there. I didn't get the Wrigley this year. It's a special place, mm-hmm. as we all know. Uh, I want to start with the team that I think they're the hottest team in baseball. Record says that they are. Uh, look, I thought, and we've t- we had this conversation in August, Matt. If the Cardinals are going to get in, boy, Cardinals. they've got to put the yeah. hay in the barn in August because September is daunting. Well, here they are, and it's September, and they're playing exceptionally well as they take care of the Padres, and now have a little bit of breathing room in the wild card. I'm yeah, not sure. I saw that. Th- I thought, you know what, this team's going to be in a place where they can. Set their rotation so Wainwright can go up against either the Dodgers or the Giants. And it's trending that way, Matt. Yeah, it is. And it's interesting because we talked about, I'm sure we did, the red schedule, mm-hmm. how easy the schedule was. But they lost 2-30 to the Marlins. They lost 2-30 to the Cubs. lost 2-30 to the Tigers. They lost 2-30 to the Pirates. Now, they got down 5 nothing to the Pirates last night, but stormed back to win. But still, now it's three games with no head-to-heads left. Man, that's an uphill battle if you're the Reds, and like the Padres are cooked. Yes, uh, the Phillies are closer to the NL East title, which the Braves are trying to let them win. They just won't take the opportunity. Uh, so it just looks like everything's coming up Cardinals, and it's easy to say, well, they're going to have to face the Dodgers and Max Scherzer, but it's one game, man, mm-hmm. and, and anything can happen in one game. And the way Adam Wainwright is pitching right now, uh, they've won 16 of his last 19 starts. Wow. And he's going deep in the games. You feel like he really could mystify with his guile and his command and that old Uncle Charlie curveball. <laughs> you feel like he could mystify any lineup for eight innings right now. So I, the Cardinals are very, very impressive right now. You know, and in the midst of all of this, it felt like Reyes at the back end. They kept trotting him out there for a while. They had to make a move. And Giovanni Gallegos has been incredible for them. Seven appearances, given up just one run. He's been the back-end guy that they've really been comfortable with. And that bullpen as a whole, it's been kind of put together by a scotch tape, but feels like they're figuring it yeah. out here at the end of the season. They, they've, they've really, really settled in. And you, like the, the only blown save he's had, it was a solo home run to Javi. Mm-hmm. And it was on a pretty good pitch. But, you know, Javi's a bad ball hitter, and every once in a while he's going to get one of those. So there's no shame in giving that up, and that's the only ball in save. 
they've really settled in since she'll make made that move. And uh, it's it, like last night, once they got like a 4-2 lead, and I believe it was around the seventh inning, I just kind of thought it's over. And you weren't thinking that way in the middle of August when Reyes kept having his meltdown. So they, they've really settled in. Who's going to end up winning the West, National League West? Is it are the Dodgers and the Giants? I don't think. In fact, I know they don't. They don't see each other again. There's a uh, the Giants, no, they don't. right? The Giants have a bunch of games left against the Padres. Who ultimately will win the West? <laughs> it really feels like it's trending toward the Dodgers, but I, I've said it. I believe on this show many times. Right. I'm absolutely done betting against the Giants. <laughs> it, it feels like every time you bet against them, they bounce right back. So I'm going to stick with the Giants. But I have a hunch that a lot of the gambling action is going to be all over the Dodgers. Jace Tingler feels like dead man walking in San Diego. It feels like it's going to be over very quickly for him as this has been a hugely disappointing year. And how about the confrontation in the dugout with the two Padres superstars there? What do you read into that? Yeah, it's probably not as big of a deal as it looks. Um, on the surface because, you know, it's a long season. They're together mm-hmm. every single day. Uh, Tatis has said before how much he looks up to Manny Machado. Machado was just trying to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Tatis was probably overly emotional. He's young, and he's probably such a competitor that as much as they're losing, he's probably fed up. Uh, the problem is you don't want that on camera. You need that to happen down the steps, even if it's just a few steps down toward the clubhouse, not even all the way in the clubhouse. You need it to happen somewhere else. And it, to me, that goes to Jay Singler. And, mm-hmm. you know, make sure your guys are better than this. Make sure your guys aren't seen with this happening. Um, we've seen it happen before with, like, with Bryce Harper and Jonathan Papelbon. And uh, it's, it, it never leads to success, in my view. It's, that, that's the sign of, like, a broken team if they're letting people see that in, in public. Well, let's get to the division that has my full attention. Uh, and I, I, the, the goal is to keep an audience, and nobody wants to hear about the Red Sox and the Yankees. But I have to because my Blue Jays are in an incredible fight with those two teams. The Jays and the Yanks have a three-game set next week, and then I think Toronto finishes with Baltimore. Meanwhile, Red Sox-Yankees got a bunch of games left to play against each other. So help me out with the American League East, yankees Red Sox and Blue Jays, and what a race it's going to be as two, two two of those teams will play each other in the wild card and one will go home. Well, the, the first thing I would say is the Yankees are absolutely not to be trusted. They've been pretty bad ever since that 13-game winning streak, and even during that winning streak it felt like a lot of smoke and mirrors at the time, like a lot of really close wins. They would get big leads and the bullpen would try to give it back. Chad Green has mostly been broken since he got completely overused when a bunch of guys were hurt. Aroldis Chapman is not to be trusted at all. Uh, Garrett Cole just got shelled over the weekend. They don't have a ton of starting pitching depth at all after that. uh, Nestor Cortez has been so good, but he couldn't even get through the fifth inning against the Rangers last night, which are basically a triple-A team at this point. I don't trust the Yankees at all. I, 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 I had kind of been in the same place with the Red Sox, but they've gotten hot recently. Um, the, the surest thing to me is the Blue Jays, I think, are going to be the one. Um, I, I guess right now I would begrudgingly go with the Red Sox in the two spot, but I don't trust the Red Sox or the Yankees much. Speaking of managers, if the Yankees are out, is Aaron Boone out? Maybe. 
I, I, I want to say yes, but every time I talk to my colleague, Mike Exisa, who's a lifelong Yankee fan, he's really dialed in in New York, he says, I don't think that he's going to have an issue, even if they, they fall out. Um, and I trust him a lot more than my gut when it comes to Yankees managers. So, like, I, I feel like he, he should be in trouble. But maybe we're a lot more in our old mindset, kind of in the old uh, big George Steinbrenner hmm. era where guys got fired left and right if they didn't get the job done. I, I don't know. And, and, and honestly, I'm not inclined to blame Boone uh, as much as, like, a lot of the players and a lot of injuries and just right. – They've had so many meltdowns. I, I, I don't feel like it's definitely Boone's fault, but it just seems like this is a heads roll situation in Yankeeville. But uh, Exesa says he doesn't think so, and I'm inclined to trust him. Speaking of Ken's Blue Jays, I was just watching the highlights last night of the Rays game. Tampa brings up a kid that was on the Olympic team, silver medalist, makes his first career start. He's 22 years old. Shane Baz and guy was outstanding. He, how about this number? I found this from stats. Threw 51 to 65 pitches for strikes. The highest percentage yeah. for a starter in his opener since 1988. Wow. Eh, the Rays just find another dude. Not only that, uh, he threw as many sliders as fastballs. It was 29 sliders, 21 were strikes, Jeez. and 11 were swings and misses. <laughs> so he's already, and the Blue Jays are at least the most powerful mm-hmm. offense in baseball. By far in home runs maybe the best offense in baseball. And he, other than two solo home runs, which, again, there's no shame in giving home runs up to the Blue Jays, but other than that, he completely made them look silly. The rich get richer as far as those arms go. And you know what's funny? He was also in the Chris Archer trade. Oh, wow. Are you kidding Meadows, me? Another you know, one? That it was. He was the player to be named later. Oh. At the deadline, it was Austin Meadows and Tyler Glasnow right. for Chris Archer, and Boz was the player to be oh. named later. That's as lopsided of a trade as you're ever going to see. <laughs> Holy man, I didn't know that. Th- this thing's going to be yeah. worse than Smoltz for Doyle, Doyle Alexander. Alexander. Yes. Oh, my wow. gosh, that's unbelievable. Uh, Matt, I'm, I'm worried about the White Sox, and I'll tell you the reason why. They haven't been in a, you know, in a pressure, and I get that they got LaRusa and everything, but once you get to October, it's different. And, you know, when you go back, depending on the year, well, they just couldn't turn that switch back on, and and uh, they're upset in the first round of the playoff. Do you think that that could be the case with this White Sox team? I don't want them to go out. I'm pulling for them. But when was the last time they played a big game? Yeah, it's pretty Field cool, of dreams? Actually, because Rodon, uh, yeah, it's been a little bit. Uh, they've, they've had injury issues throughout the rotation. Uh, I mean, Keiko's broken right now. Rodon LaRusso said last night he's really concerned about him. Lance Lynn has been on and off the IL. Uh, Giolito has been really inconsistent and then hurt. Uh, I, I, I think around the All-Star break, I said I prayed them to win the World Series because I was looking at the rotation, how they set up, the bullpen out sets up once they get everybody healthy on offense. But they're just not beating good teams, and they don't have that much depth. And Kimbrell has been atrocious yep. ever since they got him. Uh, you thought they were going to have such a good one-two punch at the back end with with uh, Kimbrel and, and Liam Hendricks, but Kimbrel's been so bad you can't rely on him. And like I said, the, the rotation it's in shambles now. If everybody was at their best, I would still love them and think they were great. But I, I don't know if anybody's going to be at their best come October in the rotation. So and again, like I said, they're so bad. Their record they're below five hundred against teams with winning records. Mm. Uh, they, they're just not beating anybody good. So it's definitely worrisome. 
One of the teams that got the White Sox this year is the Royals, has a winning record against them, but we're not here to talk about that series. Sal Perez yeah, how about that breaks the catcher's record yeah. for home runs, 46. If you saw this coming, that guy as a youngster, hmm. he had alley-to-alley power, but nothing like this. How this guy's transformed himself into this kind of power player? No idea. I mean, it's 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 funny. It's been since the Tommy John surgery, too, because he was this. Right. He hit like 11 home runs in 31 games or something like that last year and had a ridiculous slugging percentage. And you just thought, well, you know, it's a small sample fluke. But, man, he's going to hit 50 this mm-hmm. year. And for a catcher, uh, amazing. I, I know he's played 30-some games at DH. But, dude, he's in the lineup every single day. Most catchers mm-hmm. don't play this much. You know, so I, it's, you, you can't say enough. You can't give him enough credit. I, I'm a huge, huge fan. So am I. And I think, and I'm not insinuating what I'm about to say. Please don't get me wrong. I think the country in baseball has changed because if this would have come up 10 years ago, the the, the speculation would have been out there. The, yeah, this yeah. Guy's oh, number. he's juicing. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. right? I mean, we would have heard. Yeah. And I'm not insinuating that. But this is this no, kind I of remarkable. So. Yeah. yeah, it's remarkable what he's done. I think there's there's a lot of technology. They work on their swings. And uh, I think at some point, guys kind of say, you know what, start selling out for power, start. And I know a launch lot of people angle. get triggered by the, oh, the launch angle craze. All, all, all that is, it's just a new term for, think about when we were growing up. Hey, drive the ball in the air. Well, when you were growing That's up, I'd already been growing yeah. up. But <laughs> well, it, it goes for any generation, man. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> no, but, but it's drive the ball in the air instead of just trying to hit it hard somewhere. It's drive the ball in the air. That's launch angle. And I think he kind of really, really bought into it. 24 years ago today, I tweeted out the video for people oh, that want to see it. I saw that, yes. Harry Carey, for the final time, sings mm. Take Me Out to the Ball Game at Wrigley Field. You know, there's still a part of me that, yes, at the end, Harry was not what he once was mm-hmm. as a broadcaster, but I would have loved to see him in his retirement years, you know, what it would have mm-hmm. been. And he comes back to the ballpark yeah. a couple of years. We were robbed of that yep. as fans. I'm not a Cubs fan. I love Harry Carey. Give us a Harry story. Give give us something that you remember watching those games growing up on WGN. Uh, I, I still I I can always hear his home run call in my head. That it might be, it, it could is, be, it is. Yeah. Like there's a drive deep. Yeah, there, it might be, it could be, it is. Yeah. That that's still always going to be my favorite home run call, even if it's not necessarily the best, because that's what I grew up with. But. Uh, <laughs> I saw somebody tweet out the other day that for some reason he was like infatuated with this ball girl. And, uh, gosh, I wish I could find the tweet and send it to you really fast, but he just said her name and then him and stone were dying laughing so hard they could barely breathe. And it was just little stuff like that. And by no means am I one of those guys who are like, Oh, you don't get that anymore because every once in a while you do get stuff like that anymore. But I feel like with Harry and Steve, you had so many of those moments where they were just out of control laughing on air just because they were having fun. They were, it might sound bad to say, but Harry was so much less about professionalism than he was about having fun. And uh, it it was, uh, yeah, he he was a unique individual. No question about it. And Arnie, the director, the producer of the the telecast, uh, that was was fun years. And Steve Stone was so, so kind to Harry Carey down the stretch. He he was so good because he would subtly correct him. Yep. It wasn't like if Harry would every once in a while say a name wrong, and then Steve would say back the name correctly, but he wouldn't do it like I'm correcting you. He mm-hmm. would say, well, 
so and so is hitting 350 with runners in scoring position just so he could get the name right on record, but it didn't seem like he was correcting Harry. No, it was a, they were a fun team, no doubt about it. We got like a, a, a minute left. I was surprised that the uh, 86 Mets 30 for 30 on ESPN did the poor number that it did. I, I was fascinated by the show. I, I know Trent watched it. Uh, I've only got through two out of the three. Uh, have you seen it? I, I think it's... Um, Actually, maybe, maybe I'm part of the problem. I, I, I thought it was really well done. to me, but I did not watch it. <laughs> yeah, well, if you get a chance. Um, it seems more like an off-season type yes. thing to me. Maybe, maybe more people, because I, I was so into the pennant races mm-hmm. right now and football like i i just i didn't make time for it yet but it does like that team is one of the most fascinating teams in baseball history no a bunch of characters not out about that matt snyder thank you for doing this we uh, look forward to catching up with you in a week the final week of the regular season next time we talk to matt snyder thank you my friend all right, guys. Have a good one. Good to talk to you. CBSSports.com for Matt Snyder. CBSSports.com for you MLB fans. Harry Carey's final season was my senior year of high school. And I worked in a program where I unloaded a truck at our grocery store. So I'd be there at 4 a.m. twice a week. So that those days. character con. <laughs> that a boy. Yeah, it sucked. But uh, those days, I basically had my afternoons off. Mm. Senior year, done with classes. So I was home every day. Those two days of the week by one o'clock. So a lot of Cubs broadcast during those days. And Mark Gruzelotic for the Expos is out there. There's a clip you can find of him trying to pronounce Gruzelotic for the first time, which is incredible in its own right. But this is later in the season. And Arnie, you mentioned the the guy that does everything. Yeah. Yeah. They put it up in Harry's favorite thing, saying the guy's name's backwards. So right. they put Gruzelotic, and they actually typed it out there on the little Chiron underneath to try to help Harry out as much as possible. And him and Stoney, it was three innings. They just they couldn't stop mm-hmm. laughing as he tried to do it time and time again, and he just, it wasn't even close. Well, you know, he had to keep an audience, right? I mean, yes. he was tuning in to watch bad Cubs baseball exactly. because at that point of the... You know, that was uh, it's outstanding. 24 years ago, he sang it for the final time, yeah. huh? Is, and he died in a rest. Didn't he have a stroke in a restaurant in Is California? That what it was? I think he did. I think he was at uh, dinner with his wife. I want to say it was California. Um, yeah, that was a that was a blow to baseball when that happened. Anyways, we will come back. Let's talk about the Big Twelve, shall we? Matt Postens from Heartland College Sports joins Trent and I next. We're with you until noon. It's fourteen sixty KXNO and one oh six. Yes, football season is here, but baseball season never ends. Victory Mounds is your ace when it comes to premium baseball and softball products and services. With portable pitching mounds and everything else you need for your indoor facility. Or help this fall getting your field ready for next spring and summer. Victory Mounds Field Consulting Services can help you improve the quality and playability of your field. Go to VictoryMounds.com and stay in the game all you get your podcasts. High school sports fans, having trouble finding apparel that properly highlights your fandom and school spirit? Then you should check out the Norwalk Shop, located in Norwalk, Iowa. We've been in business for over five years, supporting high schools and small businesses across the state of Iowa with affordable custom apparel. Have a small job that requires embroidery? We can do that too, and cheaper than anyone in the area with just a $12 setup fee. Check us out on Facebook or stop into 810 Main Street, Norwalk, and let us know how we can help you out. 
the Norwalk shop. Onward. Fest DSM. It's been a great start to the NFL season, and it's only getting better at DraftKings Sportsbook. They're an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings kicking off another week of action by giving all new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet $1 on any football game this week. Receive $150 in free bets instantly, no matter what happens on that bet. No matter what? No matter what, win or lose. And this football season, all customers can swing big with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. Same Game Parlays allow you to combine multiple bets for a bigger payout. This week's place the Same Game Parley on any NFL game, and you will be credited with up to $25, even if your bet loses. DraftKings, safe, secure, reliable. The best part, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. I need to withdraw withdraw some of that cash right now. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code KXNO to receive $150 in free bets instantly when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code KXNO this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Iowa only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one. Yeah, an unaffiliated company. Game of the week. Pitch it the other way to Booth. Now they're going to throw it. Got to be it out there. Wide open. Fredrickson all alone. 30, 20, 10. Touchdown, Jayhawks. The halfback pass works to perfection. CISN TV for all your high school sports all season long. That was me on the call on Friday night. As... Urbandale ran past Des Moines Roosevelt in the top 10 showdown, 30 nothing. Coming up this week on wow. CISN.TV. Volleyball tonight, it is Valley hosting Waukee. You can catch that one on the YouTube page. Friday night football, a doubleheader. Ankeny welcomes in Des Moines Roosevelt, and I'll be on the call out in Waukee. Johnston against the Warriors. All right, good stuff. Yeah, being away, kind of feel like I mean, I didn't know what happened yeah. on Friday. Uh, Friday, so so Roosevelt got it handed to him. They I didn't did see that coming. Urbandale's defense was really, really good. Really uh-huh. slowed down Jamison Patton. Just wasn't Sam any Anderson running room for. Sam Anderson had a plan. Yeah, Sam Anderson. <laughs> he always got a plan. They're they're good defensively every single year. And uh, talking to Coach Anderson before that game, new structure with a five A. They're the smallest school in 5A. No way. I wouldn't have got that. So when DCG or Norwalk or mm. one of those, the new Ankeny, the third Ankeny school, the third Waukee school jumps aboard, they might be playing in 4A with the Indianolas of the world who are playing really well themselves. Salty. <laughs> Herbendale, look to the future for them. How about that? Let's uh, look to the Big 12, shall we? He's Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports. He joins us to talk about the Big 12 Conference as we get set to begin uh, conference play. Hello, Matt Poston, Heartland College Sports. How are you? Trenton, Ken, in Des Moines. I'm doing great, guys. A quick question. What is the uh, attendance for the smallest 5A school in Iowa? I'm just curious. Well, not like it is in Texas. No, not at all. The smallest. Depending, what would be the biggest? I mean, Valley's the biggest stadium, right? Valley's, Valley's the biggest stadium. It's about 10,000 there. Um, in terms of enrollment, Valley, the biggest, they have about 10 through 12. That's how they do enrollment here. It's about 2,200. Uh, the smallest is okay. about, I think they are around something like 1,100, something mm. like that for Urbandale. So that's our biggest class. Yeah, a little bit different than what you guys have in Texas. Okay. Yeah, the smallest enrollment there would probably get in about four A Division two here. Wow, and and you guys play your your high school championships like middle of December, right? It's it's way later than mm-hmm. what we do. When do they play them there? Yeah, they usually play them the week before Christmas. Right. Usually uh, at Jerry World. Here in 
Yeah, because I can remember there was a conflict last year with the way that uh, the college football was pushed back. That there was going to be a game at Jerry World that conflicted with uh, with Texas high school playoffs. Anyways, let's move on to the here and now, and that uh, is the uh, week four. We get into to conference play. I want to start first of all with Oklahoma, who is everybody's pick to win it. And I'm not saying that they don't deserve to, you know, to still hold that status. But what I will say is I don't think that it looks like just the, you know, the, the steady march to another championship for the Sooners. Um, the Nebraska game opened my eyes uh, last week. Where are you on this Oklahoma team uh, from what you've seen so far? They're still ranked number four uh, as we head into conference play and host a really good game this week in West Virginia. And here come the Mountaineers. Yeah, it's it's interesting because they they still haven't won last year, if you recall, um, you know, for different reasons. Uh, but uh, you know, they they kind of gathered steam after a few weeks. And I saw Nebraska in person a few weeks ago when they played Fordham. I mean, you can't tell a whole lot from a game like that when they won fifty six to three. But you know, Nebraska certainly has talent and they certainly has ability. Although it just it hasn't quite come together for Scott Frost, but. Um, I was a little surprised that they were able to hang in there as well as they were able to against Oklahoma. And I think it, it speaks to the fact that, you know, OU certainly, they lost some players to the NFL to graduation and transfer, but they also brought in a lot of good transfer players. And um, like we saw in basketball, and like we're going to see in basketball this coming season, it, it takes a talented coach to kind of put those ingredients together as quickly as possible. And, you know, through three weeks, I think they're still kind of in the process of putting that together. I think they're just looking, you know, disregarding the score. I think they're further along than they were at the beginning of the season. But, you know, going into the Big 12, you know, I didn't really look at them as being a, a just, you know, a team that nobody could catch in the conference. Uh, but I, I don't think there's as, as much of a gap that I thought would exist between Iowa State, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and Texas at this point in the season. Kansas State, one of the stories to me, and yeah. look at what Stanford's done the last couple of weeks, how K-State shut them down. Thought it was a tricky spot with Nevada coming in and Carson Strong. They completely shut him down. And Will Howard, who was not good a year ago, played so much better in that game against the Wolfpack. Where are you right now with Kansas State? And kind of look forward to two weeks with Kansas State, Oklahoma, as the Wildcats try to get the Sooners for the third straight year. No, of course, Kansas State was one of the teams that beat Oklahoma uh, early on last year. And, you know, those are, you know, you're right. Those are big wins. Stanford's a solid team. Nevada is one of the best teams in the group of five. They've got four or five players in their team that NFL scouts are looking at as draft picks next year. So they're highly talented. The fact that Kansas State was able to, to do what they did to them defensively speaks a lot to uh, the improvement they've had on the defensive side of the football from late last year to right now. Uh, you know, I feel like they're, you know they're they're one of those teams right now. We talked about dark horse teams that they just you know fully in August, and I don't know that Kansas State was necessarily on my list, but they're kind of playing their way into that status now. TCU's kind of playing their way into that status now. I want to see how they do against SMU this weekend yeah. because SMU's got Tanner Mordecai at quarterback. He's already thrown for a thousand yards and sixteen touchdowns Jeez. this year. That's going to be a big test for them. But, uh, you know, Kansas State's is one of those teams that, you know, they, they frustrate everybody because they know who they are, and that's a big deal even in college football. They know who they are as a team. They know who they are as a program. They know what they want to be. And when you when you have that knowledge of who you are, it makes going out and executing what you want to do so much easier. 
I wasn't, uh, and I'm still not. Um, I don't know what to make of the Oklahoma, of Oklahoma State. I, I do was impressed. I'll be honest uh, with uh, the way they came back to beat Boise State in a very close football game. They didn't test themselves early in the season. Uh, but what about Gundy's team? Three weeks in, they're one of the teams that's still without a blemish in the Big Twelve. Boise State, it's, it's always a tricky spot trying to pick them off, and they did this past week as they went on the road uh, and was able to beat them. Where are you on the Cowboys, or do you think that you've seen enough that you can, you know, to form uh, form a, a definitive opinion one way or another? Yeah, it's interesting. I've seen the Cowboys on the road at a a you know place you wouldn't expect them to be. I saw them play Central Michigan on the road several years ago. They struggled there too. Um, this is a team that you know. They seem to struggle when they're playing teams that you wouldn't ordinarily play on the road. And I'm glad that Oklahoma State's doing some of those return games with programs like Central Michigan and, and Boise State. And they did another one recently uh, a year or two ago because I think it's fair to those teams in the group of five to make that return trip and kind of help them out a little bit. I, I feel like they're I feel like they're coming on. I, I've been happy with where with uh, where Sanders is the past couple of weeks. Um, going into Boise, I think that is a big deal for them. You kind of saw it on the face of the faces of those players late Saturday night, but it was a big deal for them. Boise State's a hard place to play. It's a good win. You know, granted, it's not beating Alabama on the road, but you know, it, it's a hard place to play. Boise State's a really good program, and you know, I, I feel like the way they played against Boise, I think it bodes well for how they could play the rest of the way in the Big Twelve. I just feel like there's, you know, just three or three weeks of three weeks of the season. There's just a lot of teams in the Big 12 that have kind of shown themselves to be better than I think we thought they were going to be, mm-hmm. at least right now. All right, Matt. Welcome in. You're at the Condon Casino. I'm giving you a $100 free play right now. These are updated odds to win the Big 12 from DraftKings. Here we go. You can put your $100 on Oklahoma. They're minus 220. Iowa State, 4-1. to one. Texas, 7-1. to one. Oklahoma State, 14-1. to one. TCU, 16-1. to one. West Virginia, 22-1. to one. Kansas State sixty to one, Baylor sixty to one, Tech seventy five to one, or you can burn that hundred dollars in fire and put it on Kansas at five hundred to one. Free bet. Who are you betting right now? Free bet. Um, and I'm not at all informed on how gambling works, but um, <laughs> you know, I we're talking about the Big Twelve Conference Championship game. Yep. I'm assuming that's yep. the regular season title. Um, I. I still like Iowa State. I know they've had struggles offensively. I know they had the loss to Iowa, and that hurts. But I think they righted themselves a little bit last week uh, against UNLV. They've got a really attractive schedule in October in conference, which I think really allows them to build momentum going into that really difficult stretch in November. And all they have to do is get there. And it's going to be getting there against somebody like an Oklahoma or an Oklahoma State or a Texas. And I think in a a one-game scenario on a neutral site, I think they can beat any one of those teams. They've just got to get their offense going, and I, I really feel like by November the offense is going to be, there, be where the defense is. Well, you're spot on about how you see Iowa State, and you're right. Uh, the offense has not kept up with the defense so far. Defense is elite. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a hell of a race is what I think it boils down. And you said 60-1 to 1 for K-State? 60-1. to 1. Holy mackerel. Wow. That's, a, that's a massive, massive price. Um, Iowa State faces Baylor this week. They're one of those teams that is still undefeated. They're off to a 3-0 and start. They haven't given up many points. So I'll, I'll give them that. But at the same time, 
Mm-hmm. Well, they they beat uh, the points that they gave up was at least some of them was to Kansas. That game was tight early, and then they just pulled away and walloped them. What do we know? What do we know about the Bears? What does Aranda's team do well, and what do they struggle at? Well, I think they're good at running the football. Um, you look at their numbers against Kansas; they rush for over 300 yards. That's been a trend for them uh, the past three games as they run the football well. They've got a nice stable of backs, a Tristan Ebner. Uh, Bill Hannon's done a nice job of running the football out of the quarterback position. Um, they, they can do some very good things on the ground. I'm, I'm still not totally sold on their passing game just yet, but I think we're going to get a really good indication when they play uh, Iowa State uh, as to how far along their passing game has come. Defense, they've got a couple of really, really NFL-ready players on that side of the football, uh, but the unit's still kind of coming together a little bit, uh, especially in, you know, in terms of stopping the pass. Uh, I, I think they've got to get a good pass rush on Brock Purdy on Saturday. They've, they've got to really uh, kind of exert some influence on him. You saw that against Iowa, you know, when, when Iowa was able to you know influence Purdy into making some uh, questionable decisions. Anytime you can do that to a quarterback three or four times a game, you open up your opportunity to create turnovers, which Baylor is pretty good at. They're, they're good at creating turnovers. But uh, understand this, Kansas has only turned the ball over one time this year in three games. And Baylor was only able to force them into one turnover. So uh, even though they have the talent to create turnovers, they're going to have to get better at forcing those turnovers in Big 12 play in order to beat some of these teams like Iowa State and Oklahoma. Texas Tech is an intriguing team. We had a couple of handicappers on this summer that really liked the over on their total. Ken and I really just didn't see it. Defense is better, certainly. They're 3-0. and The win against Houston was great. They beat your alma mater in Week 2. They get Texas this week. Tyler Shuck, we saw him last year in the Fiesta Bowl. He wasn't very good against that Cyclone defense. But what has scouts enamored you can see right now? Where are you at right now with the Red Raiders? Well, I saw them in person when they played SFA. And, and even though they struggled in that game, and, and you know they gave up three turnovers, and SFA turned them into 17 points. You can see the impact that the transfers that uh, Matt Wells has brought in has had on that team. It's part of the reason why the defense is better this year. Uh, Shuck is a, a very solid, I think, very consistent quarterback. He does the same things every play. He runs their offense well. Uh, but you know, they've had some real, they've gotten some real help in the running game with Taj Brooks, who uh, in replace of uh, replacement of uh, Theroderick, uh, uh, the primary back from last year, uh, just has really kind of just giving them a real jolt in the offense. So between him and Escobana and Chuck, they've got three really good pieces to, to run on the offensive side. They've managed to avoid any major injuries to this point in the season. And, you know, they're, they're one of those teams that, you know, against Texas, you know, that was a really high-scoring game last year. And I was listening to the Sarks press conference yesterday. He doesn't think it's going to be that high-scoring. But with these two teams, you never quite know. Um I think it's a really interesting game Saturday. I think Texas still pulls it out, but it's going to be close. It wouldn't surprise me if Tech had a lead at some point in that game, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if uh, they cut down on the turnover issues they had against Stephen F. And we'll get you out of here on this in our final uh, 60 seconds. You also uh, write for Part of Fan Nation. You cover the Cowboys, Cowboys Maven. They're one of the teams that has surprised me positive way this year. Look, the game against uh, opening night against Tampa, that came right down to the wire, as did the game against the Chargers. Uh, but those um, Cowboys might be better than some people thought. I'll, I'll, put, I'll leave it like that. Yeah, I, I think the defense is showing that they've made improvements, uh, not just in terms of talent, but I think they're taking the Dan Quinn scheme 
Um, you know, Micah Parsons had a huge game, and they used him as primarily as a pass rusher because they had to, because Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory are both out of the lineup. Gregory should be back this week. Um, they're, they're, I think they're going to settle in offensively, too. They threw the ball out against campus. Some of that was about campus defensive scheme. This week, they really got the running game going with Pollard and Elliott. Uh, they used Pollard as a, a speed guy, and then they used Elliott as a hammer at the end of the game. Um, I think once they figure out the chemistry, how they want to balance using that and using those backs effectively, I think that's going to, I think it allows their offense to get much more balanced. I wrote about you know, the balance of that offense after the first game, and I, I liked what they did in the game against uh, the Chargers. They, they got back to using the running game more. Uh, you know, granted, Dak didn't throw a touchdown pass, but you know the, the point of this is winning, and they're going to need to be a balanced offense in order to win games. Hmm. End of the first half, when they're trying that uh, that lateral down the field, I thought uh, for uh, uh, C.D. Lamb took it for the most part, and then Zeke was going to take. Did you see who was like a yard behind him? There's the quarterback, Dak Prescott, uh, coming off that injury, yep. and he's involved. Got to <laughs> love that. Great stuff, Matt Postens. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Postens Postcard. You can read him amongst other places at Heartland College Sports. If you're a fan of the Big Twelve, thank you, Matt Postens. Love our conversations. Look forward to doing it uh, in the future. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Matt Postens, uh, as we catch up with him. By the way, from an earlier segment with Matt Snyder, the ball girl uh, that you guys were referring to is Marla. Marla. Marla was the ball girl that uh, Harry Carey and Steve Stone seemed to incorporate into most of the broadcast, or a lot of them. Disproportionate amount of them. We'll come back. Baseball. Play of the day. We got something up you our got sleeve. Something up your sleeve. Mm-hmm. Okay, I will uh, find out uh, what that is next. It's fourteen sixty KX and Owen one hundred six North thirteen dot com. Trent Condon here, Phology Center of Iowa. Now's your chance to sit on the couch guilt-free all weekend long watching football while you heal after your vasectomy from the Urology Center of Iowa. The doctors there perform my procedure in less than a half hour. Make the call to 515-400-3550. That's 400-3550 and online at iowauro.com. A guilt-free football watching weekend after your vasectomy. That's off. Global Direct Mail and Marketing is the teammate your small business needs. Locally owned and located in Urbandale, Global Direct Mail and Marketing can help your small business create the high-quality print materials your business needs to succeed. Whether it's business cards, flyers, business forms, letterhead, calendars, or a mail piece to attract new customers, Global Direct Mail and Marketing is ready to go to work for you today. Save by working with the local small business that will go the extra mile to get you what you need. Global Direct Mail and Marketing. Call Craig at 515-282-3000 and get your next project started today. Are you missing out on life's activities because of hip pain? Ask your orthopedic surgeon about anterior advantage hip replacement. To learn more, visit aahip.com. That's aahip.com. The performance of hip replacements depend on age, weight, activity level, and other factors. There are potential risks and recovery takes time. Only an orthopedic surgeon can tell you if hip replacement is right for you. To find an orthopedic surgeon in central Iowa that uses anterior advantage hip replacement, go to r.com. Hi, 
Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. Murph and Andy in an hour and five minutes. The Fanatics at three. Cyclone Insider Radio tonight. Hines and Petey at six. And then the Fantasy Football Show at seven here. It's a local, uh, local fantasy football conversation at seven. Trent, today, well, you've got plenty of options. Oh, yeah. Have you zeroed in on a game that you like more? Who I got you... three dogs. You're hitting at least two out of three of these dogs. Mets with Stroman on the mound like at it. the Red Sox. I like it. Cardinals plus 190 against the Brewers in Woodruff. Woodford for the Cardinals hasn't been bad. And the third of the underdogs tonight. Got to go to the Mariners against the A's playing well. We're going to go back to that well one more time with the M's. We're going to hit to three of those at minimum. Maybe all three of them. Maybe a round robin tonight. Sounds like you do have a plan. Well, plan on being with us tomorrow, hopefully, if you can. Uh, But there's plenty of local uh, radio still to come today, as we just mentioned. And, of course, tomorrow morning, another day of Sports Talk Radio kicks off at 7 a.m. with, or 6 a.m. with the Morning Rush. We're Miller and Condon. Thanks for being here. 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.